With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Jason Douglas from Three Guys Talking, and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Welcome to the Hard Day Diaries the show about life struggles and how we get through them. I'm your host, Andy Madfield. Thanks for joining me on this journey. Today's guest is Rihanna Andrews. I am currently going to therapy. I was diagnosed with major depression reoccurring, which doesn't sound scary. It's weird. My therapist was like, yeah, I think you have a major depression reoccurring. And I was like, that sounds so normal. Major depression reoccurring is I have been depressed since probably college, which for me was 2009. So I've had it for a really long time, but I don't think that I noticed that I was depressed until about two years ago. That's when I started to realize that things weren't right, that I wasn't enjoying life. My zest for life was gone. I wasn't getting joy out of doing anything. I spent a lot of my time on the couch binging Netflix, but more than a normal person would do. Yeah, you felt like you're kind of sunk into. Stuck there. Yeah, you felt safe. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And comfortable. I can just be myself here. And I like how we're sitting on my couch right now. I can feel safe here. There's no judgment. And I think that human interaction sometimes really drains me. And so that's a part of the depression, not wanting to go outside Mm -hmm. or interact with people. Once it happened, once I was like, I am depressed. This is a real thing. I'm not living life right if that's a way to put it. You're not feeling like you're being the best version of you? Yes, exactly. In fact, I felt like the shittiest version of me. And that's a big part of my depression is that I feel worthless Mm -hmm. and also super hopeless, which means I don't have any faith in myself, which is where the worthlessness comes from. And I don't have any faith in the world at all, which is where the hopelessness comes from. Gotcha. So you started to feel like it was easier for you to barricade yourself than it was to open up and allow situations to happen and being able to deal with them. Yes. That's not right? Yes, exactly. And there's a lot of anxiety coupled with depression, whether that's social anxiety or anxiety about... It sounds... When I say it out loud, it sounds pathetic, but it's not. It's very real. It's very real. A friend of mine will ask me, oh, hey, we're all going to go out to the bar come out, let's go out. That normal thing that people do. Well, let's hang out. Let's just plan this thing and go do it. And I have this very reoccurring thing where I'll say yes. I'll be like, okay, awesome. I'll meet you out tomorrow. And then an hour before I'm supposed to leave, my brain will run through a list of reasons why I shouldn't go. It's just a really negative voice, but it also comes off as very calming 
this is why winter I think is really hard for most people and definitely why it's hard for me because that list of excuses is very easy. It's very like it's cold outside. You're already comfortable at home. There's enough people there where they won't miss me. Exactly. You don't want to go drink and then have to drive in the snow. Just my brain talking to me internally about all the reasons why I shouldn't go. And I want to say 75% of the time it wins. And I'll text people 10 minutes before I'm supposed to be somewhere and be like, yeah, hey, sorry, I can't. And sometimes I'll lie and make up an excuse. And sometimes I'll just say, you know what? I'm not feeling it today. I'm not coming out. I figured out I was depressed probably two, two and a half years ago. And I have been annoyingly talking about it since. And I think that that's because I myself am trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot easier to talk to people and bounce things off of other people and be like, hey, I'm depressed. This is what's going on in my head. Do you think that this is weird or like normal or how do I fix it? Whereas like if you're home alone and you're like, I'm depressed, you just don't think about it. It's just this overwhelming feeling. I get the feeling where if someone doesn't invite me to something, it's because something I did. Sure. But then it's like, no, if you want to go to that thing, just ask. You have to trick your brain. Oh, you definitely have to trick your brain. For some things. You know, you have to program to be like, no, this is just everyone has this self-doubt. Right. With depression, it's different. It's not the same as just being like, oh, I'm insecure about this dumb little thing that you could just change the experience. In that case, your brain is your worst enemy in this case. Yeah, definitely. My brain is definitely my worst enemy. I always talk about it as the voice in my head. And when I say that, I don't mean split personality or there's an outside voice talking to me. I think it's my ego. That voice, you just think something in your head, that voice that you can hear. And mine is really negative. It is skewed super negatively. It gives me reasons not to do things. It gives me reasons why the world is terrible, reasons why I suck as a human being. (laughs) It's trying to protect you is the weird backwards thing about it is it's trying to say this is the safest place for you. Right. This location of everything that you've built. This is your safest version of you. Why would you want to go out and not be safe? Right. Then the other side of your brain is going, but I'm not getting these experiences that I want that fulfill me, that make me feel good. Exactly. But then your brain's like, but what? But wait a minute. I mean, I know you want to feel good, (laughs) but what if you feel bad? Right. What if you go out there and something happens? It's like you could feel bad though, right? (laughs) Yes. Damn it. (laughs) You're not going to win. I do the same thing as far as abandoning plans. Yes. I try to set a rule that if I made a plan and it's the same day, I can't cancel it. That's a really good rule. Maybe I'll enlist that. It's always an hour before because I know, I know that it's my depression Mm -hmm. and my anxiety just kicking in and running through that list. And sometimes I'm just like, you know what? You're right. I'm tired and I'm going to go back to bed and text my friends because it's easier. It's easier than getting ready in the winter. Like it's winter right now. So it's easier than going out there, bundling up, scraping the ice off my car, driving through the snow, paying attention on how much I have to drink. Those are all the things that my brain tells me. It's like, don't do that. You don't need to do that. That's just all these extra steps to get these experiences that may or may not matter. Right. They could be good or bad. Some people can just trick their brain Mm -hmm. into saying, okay, well, I'll just go for an hour and then if you're right, we'll come back. Right. We'll come back and then I'll admit you were right, but we're still going to go for an hour. 
Oh, see, that's so smart. That's such a good idea. I haven't gotten to that point yet. So part of the reason that I sought out therapy, and I say that I'm in therapy, but I've had two sessions so far. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to have one two days ago, but the snowstorm happened and I yeah. <laughs> couldn't move my car. So I'm two sessions deep into therapy, so not very far at all. But the reason I sought it out was because I get really, really low. And so within the last couple months, I stopped going out. I live here. Mm -hmm. Steve's in Los Angeles most of the time. Steve is my boyfriend, for those who don't know. He lives in Los Angeles. And I don't know too many people here yet Mm because I sort of just moved. And I didn't really have anything going on. I have my job, but I don't have activities at the moment because it's winter and I'm new here. And so I hit a really low point and started to scare myself. I was just crying all the time for no reason. And that voice in my head got so loud just telling me that, it's not worth it. Why are we doing this? And so I sought out therapy because I had all of these reasons why I and the world sucked, why I don't like society and I don't like how this goes and I don't like who I am as a person and I can see all these shitty things about myself, but I don't know how to fix them. I just don't have the tools that I need to trick my brain. I just don't have those tools Mm -hmm. at all. The depression hits and I just crumble into my couch and I was just like I don't know what to do I don't I need someone to teach me yeah basically so that's why I sought out therapy Mm -hmm. I was like I need a professional to just teach me what to do in these situations and I've gone to therapy before and I say that meaning I've gone to like two or three sessions before and Mm -hmm. quit because I was just like I don't either a like this person or I don't think that it's working and so I've had like three or four therapy sessions years ago where I was just like whatever this isn't for me but the therapist that I have now is awesome Mm -hmm. I love her she is this old spiritual hippie lady she told me when I first went in people come to see me for different reasons Mm -hmm. some people want medication And some people just want the therapy or the tools, the Mm -hmm. like trick your brain tools. And she's like, and some people come in for therapy and realize they need medication. So she's really, she's a really well-rounded doctor. And I was really appreciative of the fact that she didn't push medication right away. Because I think that that's part of the reason I ditched therapy before is because they were like, you need to be on Prozac. You need to be on all this stuff. And I was like, you don't know me. You talked to me for two days. I think that's a lot of things that people are apprehensive about with mental illness and mental health. Right. People are afraid that they're going to push a pill agenda or that they're just, they're not going to be heard and just said, these are what you have. These things to make them go away. But you want to have those tools. Some people don't want to know more about why. I'm a person that likes the why. Me too. So I can tell when my depression is coming on. It's a really weird feeling I get. It almost feels like someone's pushing on my brain. And I can tell. I'm like, oh, no, this is going to (laughs) be. It's happening. Everybody, hold on. (laughs) Andy's going to be real sad real soon. And I had a moment where I felt the depression sort of break. But it only broke on what felt like one hemisphere of my brain. My right side of my brain felt happy and fine. My left eye was just crying. I had tears coming out of the left side of my face and only the left side. The right side felt fine. I like to write when I feel sad or talk it out. When I feel it coming on, I like to verbalize what's happening. And then I'll listen to what I said and let my brain rationalize. Is this okay? Or is this something that I'm being hyper about? Whether it's something that happened to me and you know maybe I have to have a conversation with someone about the way they said something that made me feel different and just clarify it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times when someone says something to you, it's not the intent to hurt you. 
Right. So now I have to go into things like if I'm having a personal conversation, it's from a place from love. They're saying it because they care about me as a human being and they want me to be better and feel better. So they're trying to give me the tools, but they may not know how to tell yeah, like right. Or it's coming across weird. Yeah. Or a lot of the times, if you're already in that mood, if you're already really sad, mm-hmm. or in my case, I get, like I said, I feel very worthless. And so when somebody tells me something negative about myself, it feels like an attack. It feels like a horrible attack because I'm already feeling so small that I'm like, why would you pile that on? Why are you pushing down? Right. Why are you just adding to my sadness, I guess? So it's really hard to calm myself mm-hmm. and have that conversation of, I realize that you just said this, let's break it apart and do that. Like more like, holy shit, I can't believe you just said that. I'm just going to go in my bedroom and cry about it. Yeah. I'll deconstruct things. Right. And it's exhausting. It's mentally it's so exhausting. exhausting. My girlfriend and I, if we get into a conversation and I'll say something that hurts her feelings mm-hmm. and I have to tell her, I know it's hard for you to tell me feedback right in the moment. But I can see the paradigm shift. I can tell that I said something to hurt you. And then my brain will just work and work and work and work and work until it figures out exactly what it is. And then I'm mad. And I'm mad because I had to do all that work. Right. And I shouldn't be mad at you. I should be mad at me because I'm the one that caused the behavior. But my brain is going, she did this to us. Right. Exactly. And that's not fair. Right. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to me. I should be the one that's atoning for what I did. It shouldn't be a, a fight. So she's awesome and totally understands that. And we talk it out. We unpack it right away and we move past it. And I, I could say it's the first relationship that I've ever been in where I feel 100% healthy and I wouldn't change a thing about our relationship. Oh my God, that's awesome. It's, that's so great. Yeah. I have a person that understands me for my struggles and doesn't judge me for them mm-hmm. and helps me through them. And likewise with her, I'm the same way if she's struggling with someone. I like to do solutions. So I'll just ask, is this something you need to be heard on or is this something you want help with? Oh, that's good. I should steal that. It's great because then you don't have the expectation of I need to fix this. Right. You have the, this is just someone who needs to tell me how they feel and be heard and validated. And that's it. Oh, that's so smart. So I hope Steve doesn't mind, but I'm going to get into our shit a little bit. So my depression, like I said, it skews me very negatively. Mm-hmm. If, if somebody says something negative about me, I'll take it as an attack. And then I get that like, how, how dare you? How could you do this to me? And I don't have the tools yet to stop myself and figure it out. It's almost like I'm just blacked out and my depression is just taking control. And I get very angry mm-hmm. and very verbally aggressive because mm-hmm. I feel like I have to defend myself. And Steve is also amazing. But there are times when like he doesn't understand what's going on. And that's fair enough because I'm not communicating Mm -hmm. what's going on. I'm just angry and upset. And so I think that we clash a bit because we don't have the tools because I don't have the tools to take care of myself Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know what's going on. And so it's hard for him to even begin somewhere. And my depression skews me very negatively. So when I'm in that place... Mm -hmm. I'm very, how could you do this? You're the worst. This is horrible. And a lot of the times I will tell him that we need to break up. Terrible, terrible, terrible thing to tell somebody that you love. But in my negatively skewed brain, I'm telling myself I'm a horrible mess. Mm -hmm. I'm depressed. I don't know how to take care of myself. And I can see that ruining our relationship. And so I, in my mind, am telling him, we should break up for your sake. 
your brain is saying, this is easier. Right. I'm only going to hurt you. Right. I love you and I want you to be happy and yeah. I am dragging us down. And so you should separate yourself from me. Every relationship I've ever been in, I've sabotaged because yeah. I don't feel like I'm a person that deserved love. I do now. Good. I, sh- I should be clear. I do now. I feel like I'm a person deserving of love. I'm a person who puts love out. So I should accept the love that's given to me. Yes. But when you get into those holes, those one track tunnels of my brain telling me you don't need to go out. Here's a one track tunnel. Why you don't need to see your friends and you just get stuck in them. And then when you get on the other side of them, you don't feel good. You don't feel good at all. Half the time when I was like, okay, I'm just not going to go out. I'm just going to text my friend, blow him off, stay in my pajamas and go back to bed. A half an hour later, I'm kicking myself. Why the fuck did I do that? And then you're just like, oh, well, I can't go now. Right. You can. Right. I know. You but can go. Yeah. You can still get up and do you it. You can still do it. <laughs> you're going to make mistakes. That's one thing that I learned that's great. So what I learned from my therapist, I, I don't know if you can tell, I love therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, I've only gone to two of them, but I love her so much. And she has just done already super helpful things. Yeah. She taught me about the 51% rule. Before I went to start going to therapy, I was like, oh, yoga and meditation will fix my depression. Just yoga and meditation alone. That's all I have to do. But I would not do yoga one day and I'd be like, that's it. I quit. I'm done. I fucked up and I can't do yeah. it anymore. Or like, yeah, I'm 30 minutes later. Oh, shit. I can't go see my friends now. I already blew them off. I'm an awful person. What did I do? Why right. did I do this? Exactly. And then you just sit and you stew. And I'm like, oh, I couldn't even do 10 minutes of yoga today. 10 minutes. I couldn't even do 10 minutes. And I'm sitting here telling myself I couldn't even do it when I could just get up and do it. When I could, I'm just sitting here being mad at myself instead of just getting up and doing it. But my therapist taught me about the 51% rule because if I would not do it for a day, I would quit altogether. I'd be like, okay, it's over. I didn't do it. I wasn't perfect. I didn't do it right. But the 51% rule is that if you just do it 51% of the time, you're still making progress, right? You're still pushing yourself. So say I didn't go see my friends today or I didn't do what I was supposed to do today. I didn't do my laundry. I didn't do my dishes. Mm -hmm. All the things you don't do with depression. You have to be okay with that. You have to love yourself anyway and be like, okay, I didn't do my dishes today or I didn't do yoga today and then tomorrow be like okay I'm gonna do them today yeah because as long as you do it 51% of the time you're still making progress and that to me which sounds so simple to most people Mm -hmm. blew my fucking mind I would just quit I would be like shit I didn't do it right I wasn't perfect right off the bat so I might as well just stop yeah I can never do this again right exactly and it's just this horrible thing that your brain tricks you into thinking and so that was already two sessions of therapy I already got something that was a really great tool for me that bricked my brain into being like no it's okay that you didn't do this today we'll just do it tomorrow and it's worked so far you're only a failure when you quit Oh, I like that. See, and I have that 100% track brain. So I went to art school. I have a bachelor's of fine arts. So I had four years where all I had to do was art. And I didn't. I procrastinated. Mm -hmm. I waited until the very last minute. I would do projects until three o'clock in the morning to get them done in time for the due date. And I didn't actually do my due diligence and practice and learn and become better. And so when I got out of art school, I quit doing art. I just stopped because I was like, well, I'm bad at it. And so I might as well just quit. And now I've been out of school for four or five years. And I'm like, God, if I just would have practiced every day for five years, I'd probably be pretty fucking good right now. (laughs) 
Yeah, I love art. I think that creating anything is really helpful for depression or hard times. I think that just being able to say, I created this, I brought Mm -hmm. this into the world is an amazing feeling and probably a super rush of endorphins and dopamine Mm -hmm. and all that serotonin. But at the same time, I think that my brain is my own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. So I'll just tell myself it's not good enough and stop doing it. And that in turn is what my depression is. It's not feeling pleasure from the things I used to get pleasure from. Yeah. It's just, I'm drawing this and I don't care. I don't have, I'm not getting that serotonin feedback or that dopamine feedback that I used to get from it. So why do it? And then there is the trick of, am I depressed and therefore I am not enjoying what I'm doing? Or am I actually not enjoying what I'm doing and I should find something else to enjoy? It's almost like I can't trust myself when I'm doing stuff. I just crocheted a blanket. I just crocheted this and just doing it out of I needed to finish it, but I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't getting any happiness out of it. I'm like, okay, so should I quit crocheting and start painting something? Or am I just depressed and not getting any enjoyment out of this and I should see it through to beat the depression? Does this suck or do I? Right, exactly, exactly. Does this suck or do I? And I don't know. I legitimately Mm -hmm. don't know. And it's a really hard thing. For instance, my sex drive Mm -hmm. is gone. It's gone. And if you've listened to my podcast, you know that it's usually pretty high. Um, I'm a pretty open person in that way. But right now, I am just not having it. And I just don't care. I don't miss it. I'm not like, oh man, I'm not having sex anymore. I'm not like doing this. It's literally, I don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. It's just not even a part of my mindset. I'm obviously depressed. And so my dopamine, my serotonin, my like pleasure receptors, they're not working. They just don't care anymore. And so for me, it's like, it's not that I don't want to be enjoying that it's that i physically cannot enjoy it it's so strange that makes perfect sense to me i have a similar thing that happened to me when my girlfriend and i first started dating i had shut off all sexual feelings yeah i just i got to the point where i had been in depression for so long and i felt worthless and i felt like no one would love me that my body just shut off that feeling yeah it was easier it was easier to do that so we started going on some dates and over the course of like a month, I was just like, I don't really feel attracted to you and whatnot. And then we went our separate ways for a little bit. And one night my brain just kind of went, oh, what are we doing? What are we doing? (laughs) No, this is a person that wants to love you for you. And you've had so much fun with this person. Why aren't we open? And my brain just, that was one of the, another one of those moments where I felt the lift yeah and we talked and we've almost been dating for a year now yeah it and i feel lovable and i feel happy and i feel like a person that could be accepted for the weird creepy human being that i look like (laughs) good you can Uh, but i have yet to find that tool within myself i have yet to feel that lift which is why i'm going to therapy Mm -hmm. and trying to find these tools and it's going to take time and i respect and totally understand that and I'm committed to the journey at this point I can feel it I'm still depressed I still I'm sitting in front of you in my pajamas (laughs) I don't I'm just 
I still, my sex drive isn't where I want it to be. Mm -hmm. I still quit things. I still blow off things. My brain is still telling me that I'm worthless. But since I've started therapy and I've I've actually started doing a couple things, Mm -hmm. I started this little business with a friend of mine and I made an appointment with the director of the horticultural program at the U. Very cool. Yeah. So like, I'm just like... I can feel myself stepping out of it and it's almost like I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. I can feel like I'm waiting for that lift to happen. Yeah. You're on the upward scale. Yes. Where your brain is like, good things are happening now. Right. So you're starting to see the trend. Right. And as long as you don't let that little dark voice that's like, yeah, but also. I already tried that. Leave that dumb voice out of it. You just don't listen to that voice. It's wrong. I already tried that. So I called Steve up (laughs) and I was like, I have to talk to you about something. <laughs> he was like, what's going on? And I was like, I think I might be manic. And he was like, what? And I was like, I think I might be manic because I used to think in college that I was manic depressive because yeah. I would have really good times with mm-hmm. friends. But at the same time, I would have these super duper lows. And I was like, I'm doing all these things right now. Like I'm working, I'm starting this business. I am trying to go to school. I'm doing almost too much. I yeah. like started all these little art projects around my house. I'm like making candy. I did all these tie dyes and I'm just constantly doing stuff. And so I called him and I was like, I don't know because my brain is a trickster. I don't know if I'm feeling better or I don't know if my depression shut off and now I'm in this manic stage of do, 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 get all this stuff done. And he was just like, you're just feeling good. He's like, you have energy to do things and you're not being tricked into sitting on the couch and the things you're doing are good. So grab hold of that. Grab hold of these good things that you're doing and don't let your brain trick you into thinking it's something bad because Mm -hmm. that's exactly what I was doing. I was like, I'm having a good time. This must be wrong. I must be manic. There must be something wrong with me. So I called him and was like, something's wrong. And he was like, no, nothing's wrong. You're doing great. Sounds like he's got the tools to support you. Yeah, he does. And that's does. good. That's great. Yeah, that's the partner that you want. He's amazing. And um, you're learning the skills. Yeah, because that's the big just, issue is yeah. that like I just shut down. Mm-hmm. My depression literally shuts me down. And he's like, what's wrong? And then he thinks he did something wrong. And that's like this vicious cycle of like... You, you didn't do anything wrong. I'm just upset, but I can't communicate it. And so, yeah, I'm figuring out those communication tools. Yeah. On the time of the recording, the first episode of the show hasn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. It comes out in three days. Nice. And I've shared the first episode with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And everyone has said these really good things about it. And I'm like, ah, is it real, though? I need the trolls on the Internet to shred me. So I can feel like I'm not doing a good thing. And that's my brain being like, fuck you. Right. Fuck fuck you. You think you're doing something good? Just wait. (laughs) Just wait. We'll be here watching Netflix again. Right. And that's where I'm at, too. I'm like, okay, I feel really good. I'm doing all these things. And I'm just waiting for the depression to kick back in. Mm -hmm. Because I know that it's there. And like, that's another realistic thing, too, is that. When I do sit down and watch Netflix again for an entire day and eat shitty food and like make myself sick and tired and cry, one of the tools is you can't hate yourself for that. You just have to just want to do that. You just have to pick yourself up tomorrow and get stuff done. Whereas that hundred percent rule, right? Mm -hmm. Where I'm just like, okay, I did this today, so like now I might as well quit and just do it forever. This is who I am. Right. This is who I am now. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. This is me. (laughs) Yeah. That's all part of the recovery thing is just getting to know who you are and Mm -hmm. and what you need from you. Right. Because a lot of times you're just hiding 
And it's easier to listen to the voice because the voice knows you better than you know you because the voice lives inside your head. Right. And that's where all the stuff is really going on anyways. Right. And I think that a lot of people confuse the voice for themselves. They're like, oh, this is me. Mm-hmm. Like, this is who I am. It's like, that's me in there talking. But I, when I first started realizing I was depressed and started talking about it, is I immediately separated myself from that voice I was like okay it's almost like this really dark entity that like sits on my shoulder and tells me super shitty things because I didn't want it to be me I was like okay this isn't me there's me and then there's depressed me and it's real it's almost like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde yes like a split personality type thing where I'm like there are sometimes where Rihanna just goes away and then I'm just depressed Mm -hmm. and I can't handle life and so I do I hide on my couch and I don't move for a couple of days I think that one of the best things that happened to me is when I was in Milwaukee one of my best friends was also really depressed Mm -hmm. and we would be depressed together Instead of me just sitting on my couch and her just sitting on her couch, I would get up enough energy to go sit with her on her couch. And that's all we would do. We would sit and smoke weed and watch TV at her house. But it was so helpful. You built a community. Right. We just like had this in each other where we were like, okay, we're both shitty and we're both mad at ourselves. Let's just do it together because even that company can Mm -hmm. be really nice. So I would say that if you have a friend with depression, just try to be a little understanding that it's very hard to get up and leave. Be like, hey, can I come to you? Can we eat Chinese food and sit on your couch and watch Netflix together today? Judgment-free zone. Yeah, let's just hang out and do nothing because the company is so helpful and something that we as depressed people deprive ourselves of so often because we're like, I'm not fun today. I don't want to be a burden to anybody and I don't want to go anywhere. I'm not worthy of people being around me. Right, exactly. Why would you want to waste your time on me? Exactly. And so sometimes one of the best things that can happen is when somebody's like hey can i bring a pizza to your house and Mm -hmm. we can do nothing together yes please so i think we're in a good spot what i want to do if you're cool with this is a year from now let's rehash it yes and then see where you're at i would love that awesome awesome that's so cool i'm so excited cool it's then there's a goal yes you can put that on your calendar (laughs) and then there's another goal i do that all the time i'll put a goal and then i'll be like what am i doing to get to that goal yeah, that's good. And it's it super helps. Yeah, you need like action steps, action yeah. plans to get to your goal. But I will also tell you the poison pill of it. If you don't do anything to get to that, oh man. Does it is feel it shitty? Bad. It feels so bad. <laughs> so just Fuck. make sure if you put the goal there, you get to the goal. 51% rule. 51%. That does it for this episode of Hard Day Diaries. Thank you to Rihanna Andrews. Rihanna can be heard on podcast under our covers with her boyfriend, Steve Gillespie. You can follow her on Instagram at the underscore hippie underscore witch. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matfield, as well as find new content and events on my website, www.andymatfield.com. Thank you for all the love and support. Thanks to Stubby J at the 40 Podcast Network, Doug Kalberg for killer art and upcoming logo, and to all of you for listening. I'm Andy Matfield, and tell me about your hard days.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.